Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number seven. Today, I will be interviewing Denise Barry, an award-winning children's book author and inspirational writer. She is here today to talk about her new book, Tooth Fairy, You Have Some Explaining to Do. Her other books include What Does a Tooth Fairy Do with Our Teeth and Soap on a Rope. She also maintains a blog called Raisin Kids. For more on Denise, visit her website at denisebarry.net. Thank you so much for being here, Denise. I'm really excited about asking you some of these questions today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. So I'm really actually, it was funny because when I got your book and I was reading it to my kids, that night, my daughter's tooth fell out. <laughs> it was so funny. And I was like, bizarre. Oh yeah, it was really, it was really funny. I just thought it was so coincidental that it happened on the exact same day that I, you know, read the book to the kids. And what I, what I really, what I, what I'm, we're going to get a little bit, what you're going to get into about what, you know, what the book is about, but what I also loved about your book was that I have so many times forgotten to like leave anything under my kid's pillow, like so many times. And then the next morning I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot to leave something. So anyway, I really appreciated your book. And so you'll go a little bit more into about, actually, let's start, let's start with that a little bit. Can you just tell me a little bit about your book and what it's about? Yeah. So it's about the night the tooth fairy didn't come. And like you said, that really does happen. And it's, it's actually quite traumatic for a child. And I think it may be even more traumatic for the parent. I know it's definitely happened in my house. And this is the whole point of my having written the book. And you just wake up as a parent and you're like, oh my God, I am the worst parent in the world. So I really wanted to give parents this book, you know, to help them and to help their children process this happening. But anyway, the book is about the tooth fairy not coming. And it's actually a funny book, even though the child in the book is sad and confused that the tooth fairy wouldn't come, you know, that is not supposed to happen. But the book takes you through how the child felt, you know, even, even um, to the point where the child may blame themselves for the child is gender neutral. So I'm, I have to be specific the way I speak. Um, so, you know, the child is confused and goes through scenarios like maybe my tooth wasn't sparkly enough. And, you know, it comes to be that the tooth fairy really has a great explanation for why she didn't come. And ultimately child learns that the tooth fairy really loves them, really loves the tooth, all teeth. And it just winds up being just a beautiful story. And I just, feel like every child will be just so in love with the tooth fairy and very understanding and forgiving if it doesn't show up one night. Yeah, I wish I had this book on all the times that I forgot, <laughs> but I didn't. Well, you have so to. I made up my own little story about why the tooth fairy didn't come or 
Um, but, but anyway, so I, I really appreciate the book. I wish I had had it those other times. Um, so, so this is what inspired you to write the book. Was there a specific incident that kind of, I know you had written another book about the tooth fairy, but was there something that kind of sparked your interest in writing the book now? Oh, well, I, you know, I remember doing an interview with someone when my first book was published and that was five or so years ago. And that was always in the back of my mind. I remember saying it to this interviewer that that's the next book I'm going to write. It wasn't the next book, but it was the one after. And it's just always been something I wanted to do. Just, I don't, I don't remember any specific incident. I do remember interviewing many, many, many parents and asking them, them if the tooth fairy had not come one night and what did your children think? And did they think the tooth fairy forgot them? And Almost every parent said the tooth fairy did forget at least once in their house. And there was, it was, this is funny. There was one parent, she has four children. She told me the tooth fairy never forgot. Not even when their kid was at camp. I'm not sure how she made that happen, but it was cute. The youngest child, the youngest child said she got in touch with me. She's like, no, 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 no. The tooth fairy did forget. My mother's lying. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking, I'm like, wow. It was really cute. Yeah, but you got to give her credit because if, you know, for the majority of the time, if she had four children and that's pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) true. So can you tell me a little bit about your blog, Raising Kids? Yes, yes. So Raising Kids, it, it started as a fun project for me. And I just really do it when I have time. I wish I could spend more time on it. But um, I call it a blog for parents who want to raise their kids to become adults, not adult children. And what I mean by adult children is that without certain skills, a child can grow up physically, but never really evolve into a full adult emotionally. And I'm not an expert and I don't write my blog as if I am. But to me, the qualities of an adult are self-awareness, self-responsibility, self-respect, confidence in yourself, self-reliance. You know, you kind of just know who you are and you don't look to others to define yourself. So I did not learn these skills as a child. My three sisters and I were raised and disciplined in a very traditional way where there was a lot of yelling and spanking and sometimes with a belt or a spoon and punishments that maybe didn't fit the crime, you know, guilt and shame. Like, I don't know how many people today go through this, but I kind of think it was normal back then. I'm in my early fifties now. And I feel like that was normal back then. It wasn't okay, but you know, we didn't know any better. And so once I had my own kids, I realized how much damage had been done to me. And I did not want that for my family. So it really motivated me to change. And the turning point came one day when my daughter was about nine years old. She's 23 today, but she was nine years old and she's my oldest. And I remember just having a really hard time with her that day. And I was at wit's end. And I know we all get like that, but I remember saying to myself, I give up. Like, that's it. I quit. I give up. And you know, when you stop and think like, what does that even mean? Are you going to throw your kid out? Are you going to run away from home yourself? You don't give up. You can't. And so I realized that I was the adult and I was the one to to fix this. I had to fix this. And it was extremely important for me to have a healthy relationship with my kids 
and a healthy family dynamic. So, you know, how do you do that when you haven't been taught? So I set about learning the skills I needed and it was quite the process and it took a lot of practice. I basically had to unlearn everything I had learned as a kid, but it was totally worth it. So that's why I began writing this blog, Raising Kids, to share what I've learned with other parents so that maybe their own learning curve won't be so big. And I think the the thing I try to get across the most in this blog is that if you, the parent, face your own demons by cleaning up your own act, you will naturally be a better parent. And so I hope this blog brings a different perspective to parents who struggle with raising their kids and let's face it, we all struggle. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. And I also think that too, when you have, I mean, at least for me, when I, you know, having a blog for so long and writing, I think it also inspires me to learn more because as I'm writing, I'm like, I'm researching, I'm meeting new people. And even through this podcast, I've met so many wonderful people, you know, including you to kind of give me inspiration, which is really, really nice. Because I think we all need, you know, we all need support. Mm-hmm. in helping each other. Cause I think, you know, things are different now than it was, I think many years ago when you kind of grew up with your family living close, yes. you know, and you know, my family, I mean, doesn't live so far, but it's, but I think a lot of people also find that support online, which is why I think, you know, with your blog, it's important to be able to share that. And I think it's also healing just like, and for me, it's when I'm writing, it just feels so good to be able to write. Um, So it's, I don't know. And I think that your blog also goes really well with your books because your books are, it, it kind of, it talks about all the stuff that you're talking about, all the, you know, when I'm looking at your blog and I'm looking at your tags and I'm looking and I'm, you know, reading your book, I feel like they match really well. So I think it took me a long time. Yeah. I think it took me a long time to realize that that was happening. I didn't, I don't think I planned that. And then one day I was like, oh, my, my books, even though they're for children and my blog is for parents, it, it fits. It kind of matches. It's so magical. And I just love that that happened. But yeah, it's very therapeutic to, to blog. It's, I think I do help myself more than I help anybody else. But then that just makes my next blog even better, you know? Yeah. So, so just getting back to your book, I'm, re- I'm interested in learning how you made your main character without a specific gender. So can you, can you tell me a little bit more about this? Yeah. So I made this little human being in my book, gender neutral, but I hadn't planned to do that before I wrote the book. While I was writing it, it kind of, um, kind of evolved. So at first I just couldn't decide if I wanted the you know main character to be a boy or a girl. Um, in my first book, what does the tooth fairy do with our teeth? I just made the main character a boy because the tooth fairy is a girl and I wanted the main character. I just want it to be inclusive. I wanted there to be a boy and a girl. And so in this book, I didn't know what to do. And I don't know why it was kind of unusual for me. I just kept thinking, I don't know why I can't pick. It seems like such a simple thing to decide. And so instead I just gave myself that space and I used uh, the name child in place of you know, using a name. And I never really had to write he or she that much. So I wasn't concerned. I Maybe I did it on purpose. I don't know. But anyway, so towards the end of the book, I thought to myself, you know how you're, you've written books, so you know. 
you want people to find your books. And, you know, there's a little trick to that. I don't really know it, but I thought to myself, well, maybe I'll create a little buzz by holding a contest through social media or something. And I'll let kids like around the country pick the name of my character. I thought they'd love that and, you know, take the pressure off of me and stuff like that. And all of a sudden I realized if, if somebody picks, you know, I have to pick someone and I have to use that name. That means I have to pick a gender. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I already know what the name is. And I already know what the gender is. The name is child. And this is a gender neutral character. And it just felt so right. And, um, the fun part about it was I hadn't picked a, an illustrator yet. And so how I picked my illustrator was based on their interpretation of child. So I had three artists to choose from that I was choosing from. And I asked each of them to draw child with no stereotypical features. And all of the drawings were amazing. But Alejandro Ishaves was the one who drew what is currently child. And when I first saw the sketch, I showed it to my husband and my son were home that day. And I said, you guys, I think this looks more girly, you know, more feminine. And both of my, both my husband and my son said, nope, this looks like a boy to me. And I was like, I disagree. <laughs> you know, we kind, kind of an argument. And um, I said, well, I'm just going to post this on Facebook. And so I posted on Facebook and I just said, you know, does this adorable little character look like a boy or a girl? And I was hoping just to get a few responses just so I could say, Alejandro, you know, do this and do that. And this is insane. And I don't know how it happened, but 16,000 people commented. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. But the, wow. the really weird thing about it is that there were only 146 shares. And I only have about 3,000 uh, followers on my, my Facebook page. So I do not know how this happened. And I talked to... Uh, the publishing company, and they were really blown away. But anyway, so to me, this is a great big thumbs up from the universe. And I know I did the right thing. And, you know, I fell in love with child and I hope other people do. And they get to choose, you know, if, if they want it to be a boy or a girl, or if they want it to be uh, gender neutral, you know, just whatever. I don't know all the terminology, but it was Yeah, no, I, and I, you know, when I, when I was bringing it to my kids, so I actually thought the character was a girl. And then my son thought the character was a boy. <laughs> so, and that's, it's just, it's interesting. I really like that though, because there's all different ways to look at the character. And I think if anything, you're broadening your audience for yeah. a child of any gender to be able to identify with the character. Because really what the story is about is that all kids lose their teeth. Yeah. Right? We all lose our baby teeth. That's just something that just happens to us as children. Yes. And so what's so wonderful is that your book just opens that audience to anybody. I mean, because all boys and all girls lose their teeth. And I, I really liked it. I just thought it was really interesting and how you and, you know, how you didn't have a gender specific child. And I thought it was just it was it was just an interesting thing. And I think that's why you thought it was right, because it's what it should have been. Oh, you know what well I yeah. yeah. So, so many people who responded, you know, some people were pretty annoyed. They're like, why does it matter if it's a girl or a boy? This is a child. It looks happy. That's all that matters. And, and that's when I really realized that this was right. And of course they're right. It is just a child. And I guess that's, 
you know, deep down, that's what I was going for. It, I just wanted it to be a child. It has nothing to do with the story. The story is about a person who was disappointed, a little child who was disappointed and how the mom makes the child feel so good and how the tooth fairy makes the child feel so good. That's all it's about. And that's, you know, in, in, when you think about it, that's all life really is. And the whole thing about gender or just about, I don't know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, I, I don't say it. Yeah. And I also think kids are just not really, kids are not really judgmental at all. So I think when you're reading the book, they're just the same. My son had the question is, you know, is the character a boy or a girl, but it's not with judgment. It's just a question. Yeah. You know, and I think as parents, what's so great is what, what reading does is that it affords us the opportunity to be able to start these really nice discussions with our children. Yeah. And I think, and just also another point that I thought was so great, what I really think what's so great about self-publishing a book mm-hmm. is that, you know, just doing it myself, it's, it's really a decision that the author makes. Like you felt like it was right. So you went ahead and did it. Yeah, you know, to, to name the character child. And I, I think that's the great thing about self-publishing is that you get to make those decisions, which is really nice. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So, and just as far as discussion questions, because I know that, you know, that there's a lot of things to discuss in this book, but mm-hmm. I loved how you also added those discussion questions at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so can you just tell me your thoughts in creating the questions and what you would like parents and teachers to you know, how, how, how they could facilitate the questions or any comments about that? Well, yeah. So the questions kind of evolved. So, um, in my first two books, when I was doing author visits, um, I hadn't had questions in the back, but, you know, reading my books, I realized if I just read the book to that, to the kids, anybody can do that. And that's not what I was looking for. I really wanted to interact with the kids. So that's what I did. I started asking kids questions um, through the many readings I did. I started asking them questions, not just at the end, but during the readings. And I saw the reactions. We winded up having so much fun because the kids just loved interacting with me. And they love talking about themselves. I'm sure you know this. And you know, I, they just, we just had so much fun. And I know that the kids did because the teachers would come back to me later and say, that was the best author visit. And, you know, sometimes I would get in trouble with the teachers because the kids would be so crazy after. (laughs) (laughs) But, but how this all happened is I, I started this with my own children. We would read as much as we could almost every night, except for if they were too tired or I was. And, we would always finish a book by talking about it. And sometimes the questions were meant to educate them, but normally I just plain old wanted to have fun with them. And what I learned is that the sillier the question, the more fun we had. And the more fun we had, the the more open my kids became. And it is shocking when your kids are very open, they will just divulge so much information. And I think what happens when they start opening up, basically their whole life comes pouring out of their mouths and all of their happy moments, all of their sad moments. Um, and then you get to facilitate, uh, you know, I guess you just get to catch everything and, and talk to them about life. It's just such a great opportunity to mentor them 
And it's just such a beautiful thing to me. And so that's, you know, definitely one of the reasons I did that. And I'm not really sure how teachers, I think teachers would just want to have fun with them. There's a couple learning questions in there, but most of the questions are kind of silly. I think I was focusing more on parents with their children, just because I think it's such a beautiful thing to lay there with your kid and, you know, giggle and, you know, just hear what your kids are thinking. But I think the biggest thing to me is these questions are meant to stimulate a child's imagination because imagination is creation. And, you know, the more they imagine, the bigger their, their story gets. One day, you know, maybe they'll imagine a building into existence or a flying bicycle or something. I just think that's where it begins. Yeah. And also, I think what your book does is that it's a story that everyone could relate to. Mm-hmm. So, because all kids are lose their teeth. So, I'm just even thinking like in a classroom because I work in schools. Mm-hmm. Just to even, you know, as far as like if there's any teachers listening, um, just some like carryover activities that I could think off the top of my head. Um, just even writing a story about when you last lost your tooth or when the tooth fairy came and, you know, what did she give you? Or if the tooth fairy ever did forget to come and what that yeah. felt like. Because yeah. I think, you know, maybe I would, I would think that most kids have had that where the tooth fairy might've forgotten to come. <laughs> but, yeah. And that, but yeah. One yeah. of my questions is um, in the end of the book, do you think the child forgave the tooth fairy for not coming? So I think that is super wonderful for kids to, you know, to create a story about what child may have been thinking and, and, you know, it does teach forgiveness and it does, does teach tolerance. And, you know, maybe today didn't go as planned, but tomorrow is going to be better. You know, it, it, there's a lot of lessons in there. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so are you planning on writing a third book about tooth fairy? Cause I see you have two. Uh-oh. I'm like, where's the third one? I know. I don't know. I don't know. My husband said, maybe it's time to, you know, do something else. I don't know. No, you have to finish the trilogy. You I, have to. That's true. All right. Well, maybe you'll come up with some ideas for me <laughs> right now. Well, I'm excited to keep, you know, reading your blog and, you know, just seeing what new projects come up. Um, and is there anything else you wanted to add before we finish up? Um, I don't know. I've been talking so much. (laughs) Well, I think you've given us great insight into your book. And I know that people are really going to want to check it out because it's a really interesting book. And I have never seen a book about the tooth fairy forgetting to come. And I think it's just a, it's just a great book to have in any library for any family. So I think it's awesome. And I really just want to, I just appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and be able to just talk about your book and answer my questions because it's been really interesting. So thank you. Uh, Thank you. So thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime.